0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. If you will, go to John uh, chapter 8. Let's go to John chapter 8. We ought to remember that. And I want to put us into remembrance of some things. I want to kind of go through what we talked, we uh, ministered on last Sunday. I want to go through it as quick as I can so we can get to where we need to. But we almost, and I, every time I want to get to something quick, it, uh, the voice of our founding pastor is always in my head: "Slow down. You got time. You don't have to." Uh, the, the most important thing is that they get to understand it, not you get into another. The point you want them to understand just take your time and there's always another Sunday and so I even though I'm like I want to get here and I want to get just take your time the most important thing is that you get an understanding amen and so in putting you in remembrance So we're, I have been encouraging you and all of the other ministers that have been ministering have been trying to encourage you in these perilous times that we're living in. And I want to encourage you with things when, when things are pleasant. You need to be encouraged, and when things are not so pleasant, you still need to be encouraged. You need to learn to encourage yourself, because sometimes when things are not so pleasant, no one else is around. But you need to learn to encourage yourself. You even need to encourage yourself when God is silent. When God is silent. How many of you ever ever noticed sometimes God can get silent? I can, and I'm like, uh, and, and and he's getting silent because he wants me to think about what you just said. But uh, nevertheless, he's silent. But you need to encourage yourself when you just don't hear, and it's not because you're, 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 you're uh, deaf of hearing, or it's not what you want to hear. You just is uh, just silent. God can do that sometimes. And then I, we shift our focus, and I told you that we wanted to go from facts to truth, from facts to truth, because you know facts is what it, facts is changing. You can change facts all the time, but truth is consistent and always. And so we want to shift our focus because a lot of times in Christendom, believers they deal with a lot of facts. And so when truth comes, they're like, mm, I don't know, because the fact told me this. But truth overrides any fact. Because it's consistent and always. Amen. And then I told you there were things that you must do to shift your focus from facts uh, to truth. And I told you the first thing you have to do is you must change your walk. Second thing you had to do, you must walk in the newness of life. Third thing, you must walk with like-minded believers. See, a lot of us, we want to go in and out. We want to hang around a little with the unbelievers and we want to be in a little with the believers. But if you want to change your focus, if you want to walk this walk and be successful, you need to hang out and walk with like-minded believers. You must walk in the Spirit. You must walk soberly. And you must uh, resist the devil. In order to do all of these things, the maturity factor must come in. I was listening to the message this morning, and I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, all of that that the minister was saying, all of that that Minister Hill was saying, I was thinking, a person has to be really mature to grab that and say, I'm going to run with that. And let me tell you, it has nothing to do with your age. It just has to do with maturity and want, wanting that. You can, you, can, you can be young in age, but you caught that truth and you were like, you know what, I'm going to make the adjustment to do it. That's called maturity. Like, you know what, I never thought of it like that. Because those things, whether you're married or getting married, are so very important. So very important. Amen? And then what we did after we done that, I think we just did a little walk through John. Remember that? And we saw the different things in uh, John that happened. We said in John chapter 1 that Jesus met John the Baptist. And then that was the same book that he chose his disciples. Then we kind of talked about chapter 2. And it was when Jesus did his first miracle. He went to a wedding and turned water into wine. And then chapter 3 in the book of John, we see him talking to Nicodemus and, and talking to him and making a conversation with him and telling him that you must be born again and telling him how you, that you must be born again, that you must be born naturally with the water and you must be born of the Spirit. Amen. And then also in chapter 3, again, one of my favorite scriptures and I think the most uh, outstanding scripture in the Bible even though I have a lot of scriptures that I love, is when God said, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him should have everlasting life. I mean, whoever believes in Him. Now, belief is not just saying, Oh, I believe that there is a God. But we'll find that out. I'm not going to peep my hand. We'll walk through it. And then we went to John chapter 4, where we talked about John chapter 4. I just kind of gave you a voice over on the different chapters and then we see in, in chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. And it was must need be that he went to Samaria. And this was a very significant thing for us. Because we now know through this that God not only wants the Jews saved, but he wants the Gentiles as well. Amen. And, and then I saw in, in that same scripture where he told that woman, he said the true worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And then in John chapter 5, Jesus went down to the pool of Bethesda and saw a whole bunch of people there that was, was, uh, uh, sick And they were sitting and they had problems and they were impotent and they were, and he saw one and he told him to rise and take up his bed and walk. His ankles and his feet got strength and Jesus healed him and he got up and walked. And then in chapter 7, we see Jesus teaching us the doctrine of God. The doctrine of God. And we know the doctrine of God is Jesus. Jesus is that doctrine. And it brought us up to uh, uh, chapter 8. And then all, and now mind you, all of the things that I just said, and if you go through and just start reading, John, know, all of this, Time the disciples are, is with him. They're seeing all the things that he's doing. They're talking to him on a daily basis. They're 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 witnessing all of the mighty works that he's doing, and they, they're listening to him teach the word of God and everything. And then they come and ask them, him this question. And we look at if that in eight and chapter twenty five, I mean verse twenty-five, he said, Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. You know, after all of that, they're like, "Who are you? What I mean you're doing all these things?" Because, see, they were used to people doing things. Because remember, the scribes and they all tried to do things and say what the prophets said, and, and you know, they was teaching everything. But it was something different about him, and they was like, "Who are you?" But nevertheless, they had been with him for a while, and they should have known. Amen. And then I told you the intentions of, my, of this teaching on this particular subject is for you to comprehend, understand, and receive truth. I want you to comprehend, understand, and receive truth. I want you to get a spiritual perception of truth. Amen. And then I told you I want to create in you an unshakable confidence in faith. I want us to know God through Jesus Christ and what He has given us. And He's given us access to the truth. And that I love. He's given us access through the truth. I told you also that I want us to know our covenant rights and benefits because they rest in the truth. Amen. They rest in the truth. And we, you know, we need to, um, have a, have a correct interpretation of the word because we can have an incorrect interpretation of the word. And then we expect God. God is never responsible of what you thought the word said. He's only responsible for what he actually said. So it's very important that you understand truth so you won't get it twisted because you thought it said that and you thought God was supposed to do something. No, he's only going to do what he said. So that's why the Bible says it's not given to any one man's private interpretation because he wants to give you revelation so you can have a correct interpretation of the word. Are you with me? And then I told you never, ever, ever let truth leave the trinity of your person. Never let it leave spirit, soul, and body. What did I say? Sentence it. Sentence that body. Say, no, you're going to get up under this. You're going to stay sentenced with no possibility of parole. You can't come out. You're staying in. You must do that. Spirit, soul, and body. And then I told you the purpose of this, teachers, is I wanted you to know truth. I want you to accept truth. And I want you to be truth. My objective is I want you to understand the relationship in that particular teaching between the Old Testament and the New. And I'm telling you, I, I tried to give you, I tried to make it as simple as I can, but I gave you a doctrinally. Word of God to, to, to just let you walk along the lines and then you can line it up and then you can see things different. Again, you might not understand why God is teaching you this, but I'm telling you, you're going to need it in the coming months and years. You're going to need this and you're going to refer back to this and say, oh, you know what? I'm so thankful that I had that because it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna to make a difference in your life. And, and it's very critical that we understand how to know what you've been heard. You've got to know the truth of the Word. This is the thing. This is why, uh, why I'm teaching this particular subject. Myself and the ministers here for my church family, you, we're not going to be the only people that you hear teach. Or minister the word. So what we want to do and what I want to do and I want the other ministers to do is make sure that you understand the truth enough so when you do listen to someone else, you'll know when it's right and when it's wrong. You'll know when it's time to get up and turn the thing off and say, oh, well, now that ain't it. And turn it off because why? I know truth. That's all it is too, because you're gonna hear other people. And when you, and, and when you understand truth, you'll be able to discern what is truth and not truth, because we're gonna walk through it. Are you following? So important that you know and accept the truth. Amen? And this is the thing that you need to understand. You can know the truth, listen to me closely, you can know the truth and still know how to, don't know how to handle the truth. Or handle it incorrectly. And so that's the most important part, is that you understand truth because knowing it is not enough. Because you can handle it incorrectly just knowing it. Do you understand it? Are you following me? That's very important. You still need to know how to handle the truth. In that inner man, in your person, you have to know how to understand truth. My goal is I want to make, I want us to be made whole through the truth, and I want truth to make us free. You know, we've used that, that, that scripture so lightly, you know, whom the sun set free is free indeed, you know, and the truth, uh, you know, the truth and the truth will set you free. No, it really will set you free if you understand it. If you don't understand it, you're just quoted, but you're you're still captive. You're still in bondage. But you want to know the truth and you want it to make you free. And then you can communicate. Your problems and situations, you know how to handle them. You'll know how to handle any any problem, and you're going to base it on the truth. Why? Because I understand the truth. So now I can take the problem that I was doing everything in my own power to handle, now I can base it on the truth, and I can handle it. And it'll be a beautiful experience for you, you like, you know what? I would have handled that a whole other way. But now that i got truth, I see things different. I know how to handle it different. Are you following me? And it's beautiful when everything, every situation, every problem, every decision-solving problem that you need, every a communication problem, when you base it on the truth, you're going to say, oh, my God, I'm free indeed. Because you walk away with no guilt. You walk away with not saying, well, should I? Would I? No, I based it on the truth, so I walk away free. And I'm free because why? I based it. I didn't base it on my own personal, what I wanted or what I thought was right. I based it on the truth. See, that's understanding truth. But most Christians, we understand, well, we base truth on what we want. But when a situation come up, then we just go all away from the truth trying to handle it. And God is saying, Noah, you need to understand that with the truth... Every situation, base it on the truth. And you're going to always, it'll cause you not to fail. It'll cause you not to fail. Amen? Then we talked about the, the relationship between the Old and the New Testament. And I gave you three, I'm just going to quickly go through them. There uh, uh, three components of the Old Testament. And you all remember those. The first one was what? That you're gonna, the Old Testament is going to be, begin with the patriarchs. They're going to be there. And then number two, they're going to, it's going to have the law in it. And we want you all to never get confused because people will confuse you and say, oh, they're trying to put you under the law. They don't even know what the law is. The law is only this. It's simply what God gave Moses. That is the law. The Ten Commandments. That is the law. Ordinances are totally different. But the law is simply the Ten Commandments. And then the third component in the Old Testament is the prophets. And so that makes up the Old Testament, those, those, those three things. And then we told you what they were. I'm not going to go through all of that, how you know the patriarchs. You should have your notes or you need to go back and stream and you need to, to get those things. Because we talked about the forerunner. The, we, we talked about the schoolmaster. We talked about all of those things that makes up for the Old Testament. Everybody say the Old Testament. That's what we were dealing with. Amen? And then we talked about the New Testament. And we gave the components that made up the the New Testament. And there there was three as well. The first one is the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. The second is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which is uh, such a blessing, which was a promise to us. And the third was the Acts of the Apostles. And our church is based on the doctrines of, the, of the, 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 uh, the apostles. And that's what I founded, Pastor. That was one of the foundations that he placed this ministry under by the moving of the Holy Spirit. That this church should be founded, and we should walk within the doctrines of the apostles. Amen. We must know why God, the Lord said, the just shall live by faith. And then, you know, I gave you a doct- uh, again a doctrinal exposition of faith. And we said faith is the confidence that we have in the testimony of God. And God's testimony is Jesus Christ. And we have the confidence in that testimony. Jesus Christ. That is the testimony. Amen. And we, and we saw where the Bible said different things happened. He, he said, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Everything that happened in the Old Testament was types and shadows. But, but the grace and truth, there was no grace in the Old Testament. That was mercy. But there was no grace. Grace came by Jesus. Truth came by Jesus. Faith came by Jesus. Amen. And then we talked about those things. So that brings us up to what we're going to be talking about today. Now, this is going to be lesson number two. In understanding, just having a great understanding about the things of God and what God is saying about uh, 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 the Word of God in every aspect. Now, this morning, we're going to deal with understanding our commitment to faith. Everybody write that down. That's what this one, this one is. Understanding my commitment to faith. And you should be still at John chapter 8. Now, we need to understand this. We need to understand exactly what Jesus was saying when he was saying, you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And I'm going to introduce this lesson this way. I want you to know the truth, to be the truth, and, I, and to do the truth. I'm going to base this lesson on that. I want you to know the truth, be the truth, and do the truth. In, ver- in chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I'm going to say it again. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I want you to know the truth, be the truth, do the truth, because that's the way you're going to be free. Now, I want to give you four definitions of commitment, and God always brings us right back here. Commitment, commitment, because God's people struggle with Commitment. Four definitions of commitment. Listen, in the context of this teaching, in the context of this teaching, four definitions of commitment. Now, there are other definitions, but these are the ones that's applicable for this teaching. Okay, understood? So, when I'm talking about communication, number one. It means to be sold out to the faith of God through Jesus Christ. Sold out. You know what sold out means? There's nothing else. Not just, listen, and not just sold out to God, because in this society and in this time and in this life, there are many gods that people are sold out to, or what they call God. But sold out to the faith of God through Jesus Christ. I want you to be sold out of the faith that's of God through Jesus Christ. This is critical that you have in here through Jesus Christ. That's critical. Sold out to the faith of God. Through Jesus Christ. You can't leave through Jesus Christ out. You can't be just sold out to the faith of God. It has to be through Jesus Christ. Second definition. I love this. I need no further proof of who God is. I need, that's what, that. Then that, listen, that's the definition of commitment. I need no further proof Of who God is. In other words, I don't need anyone else to convince me of who God is. You believe in the Trinity of God? You believe that. Do you believe that God is the Father? Do you believe God the Son? God the Holy Spirit? Or uh, do you believe they are one God? Remember, we talked about that and we and do you understand that he's manifesting himself in your life and in my life in different ways different individual and the god the father god the son god the holy spirit they are one in deity so you have to believe that i know who god is nobody has to convince me now who god is I'm not looking for that. See, some people, they say they believe it. Okay, well, now you need to convince me of who God is. Well, if I have to convince you of who God is, you haven't even started in faith. Because And you certainly couldn't be committed to God, because commitment means I don't need any more proof. Why? I'm committed to it. Are you with me? So now we know I don't go to church. Listen. I don't go to church to find out who God is, because I know who He is. I don't go to church to find out who God is. I go to church to be perfected in Him, because I know who He is. I already know who He is. I'm just coming to church to be perfected in Him. Why? I'm already committed. I'm not. I'm not here for you to convince me who God is. Just perfect. I want to be perfected in Him. I'm sold out. Number three, commitment means I need no further proof, listen, of who I am, what I believe, and why I believe it. I'll say it again. I need no further proof of who I am, what I believe, and why I believe it. I I need no further proof of that. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you need no proof, of who you are, no proof of what you believe, you don't need any proof of why you believe it, now that's commitment. That is commitment. See, you have to understand what commitment is and understand the truth before you can, you you know what, you can't even have this kind of commitment until you understand truth. You're not going to even get to that point. See, you, you, you're gonna, a lot of Christians are still struggling in that area because they don't understand truth. Are you with me? And this one is the most provocative one, and that is when I talk about the word commitment, it means to relinquish the right to choose another option. I relinquish the right to choose another option. Now that's commitment. Well, wait, wait, wait. Let me give you another option. You know what? No, I don't need another option. Wait, wait. See, you won't let me tell you. No, because I've relinquished the right. I don't choose another. I don't have to hear it. I don't need you to discuss it with me. I don't need you to break nothing down with me. I've already relinquished the right to choose another option. I'm committed to God. That's how people get carried away. And, and, and Because let me tell you, we got people out there from the Jehovah Witness to the uh, the Mormons, the Muslims. They'll come at you and if you are not sold out and committed, they will get you confused. But when you relinquish your right to choose another, they come to the door and they, and you make them run from you. You and and one of the ways you do that you don't let them talk you do the talking why because you relinquish the right for them to give you any information because I'm sold out I'm committed nothing you can say or do so I'm gonna tell tell you mine because I know what you need okay 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 go ahead tell me yours first no I'm not the, I'm not I, I, why why do I want you to tell me yours first. I've relinquished my right to choose another option. So so for me to let you get to talking, you're wasting my time. And I told you last week I don't like my time wasted. So no, I don't need you telling me anything because why? I have relinquished my right to choose another option. But you know there's other options. Okay, let me just give you because you might this option might be good. No. Now keep your your Mark and John and go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's run over there. Now here's the thing I want you to know. I want us to understand our commitment to truth. Everybody say commitment to truth. Commitment to truth, say it again. And this is your first point of the day, or first point of the morning. I'm trying to understand my commitment to truth. To understand, you need to put to understand my commitment to truth, colon, I must know that God is. God's going to bring us right back. You have to know that God is. Now everybody that's sitting in this sanctuary and everyone that's streaming and listening and those that have come in here to church... Every one of you are listening because every one of you do believe that God exists. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't. You believe that God exists. And that's not the question. I know that you know that God exists. See... We want to know as much as we can. This is how we know, I know that you know exists. We, we come to church because we want to know as much as we can about, we know he's out there and we just want to know where we stand with him because we do know he exists. We do know he's in the third heaven. We do know he exists. So I come to church and just give me everything I need to know. I just want to make sure I'm right with him. I just want to know where I stand. So most of us look at God this way. And that's an existence. But that's not knowing God for who He is. That's existence. we right back. We, God has talked on this before. He's right back there. That is just saying, I know He exists. See, God, you have to understand, is not just what he has done. He is not for you of what was. Hold on. You know, a lot of us, we say, I know God. Uh, He's the God that was in with Daniel. In the lines then. He was there. He was the God, was the God that split the Red Sea. He was the God. He's always a was. And that's how we relate to him. Oh, I know, I know him because, you know, know, he was the God that did this. He was the God that did that. A lot of was. You know, yes. Have you ever read in the book in the in the old testament? He was the God, was the God that caused a raven to come and feed Elijah at the brook. See he was the God. We all have gone to that reference before. Listen to me closely. When you're talking about God in that aspect, you're talking about a God that was. And you're saying it in essence. He was, you know, know, he was the God that, you know, he was the God that did this. You know, he was the God that did this. But you got to understand in understanding commitment that he is not just the God that was. And then we have a lot of you that think that he's a God that will be. Futuristic. Let me give you some very close examples of that. You know, when you get in trouble, you say, well, I know God is going to help me. I know he will do this. I know God, I know God is here. I know he's going to do something. Why? Because he said he'll never leave me alone. He'll do it, see, we talk about God in a futuristic way. He's going to do something in the future for me, oh yeah, well, you know that happened, but you know God he will do it, He's the God of this, and he did you know he was this, he was that, so he will do this in the future. I know I know I'm sick, but I know God is going to heal me, future. I know I don't have a job, but God, it will make a way in the future. You know, we always talk about what God is going to do, but it's in a future tense, or in a past tense he was or he's going to, but this morning, I want to bring you back, and I want to tell you that he is he's not a God of the was or what it will do. He is God that is. He is God that is. He is whatever your situation situation and circumstances are, whatever that's going on, He is. Whatever you're looking for, God is. you got to start speaking to yourself like that. God is. So what do I tell myself? He's my ever-present help in the time of need. He's right here, right now. And when you're looking for what is to come, He's helping you right then. See, that's, that's, that's having a revelation that He is. So you won't look for it in the future. You like this. You right now because he is. That's knowing him as he is. See, God is. God is never was or will be. You gotta stop. We gotta stop thinking like that. I'll say it again. God is never was or will be in your life. God is right here, right now in your life let's start with the first verse in Hebrews chapter 11 now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so then faith is the confidence that we have in the testimony of God. We said that. When there are things that we cannot see. It just said, you, faith is something that you cannot see. That's what the word just said. Let's read it again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 18 tells us that the things that are unseen are eternal. And the things that are seen are temporal. Therefore, if you can see it, therefore, if you can see it, you are not operating in any faith at all. If you can see it, you're not operating in any faith. Because anything that you can see, taste, touch, smell, find, figure out, Google, YouTube, stream, that is not faith. Because faith is that which cannot be seen. Are you with me? Faith is that which is unseen. You will never see it with your natural eye. Not with your natural eye. Why? Because it's eternal. You'll never see it. So let's start thinking about that. Now you, you can see it on the inside of you, but you can never see it with your natural eye. So can you have faith for a house or a car Because faith is what you cannot see. So you're having faith for a house? Or a car? So ask yourself. Because we've just seen that faith is that which is unseen. Oh, I'm having faith for this house. That you go by and look at every day that you see every day. No. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You will never see it. And God's going to show you in all these people in just a few minutes. They they never saw, they never saw the promise. It says all these people in Hebrews died not having seen the promise. They just, it says they just judged Him faithful. They judged Him faithful who made it. Never saw it in their lifetime, but they judged Him faithful. So when you say faith will do this and faith will do that, Faith is the confidence that you have in something that your natural eye cannot see. Let me put it this way. Faith is confidence in what your natural eye will never see. We're talking about commitment to the faith. Again, what are we trying to say? I've got to understand how all of this works. I've got to understand truth. Oh. So when you say faith will do this and that, you've got to make sure it's something you cannot see. Look at verse 2 and 3. For by the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Something unseen. Nobody yet have, listen, listen, nobody yet to this day have seen how the worlds was framed. It was framed by the word of God, and you can't see the word of God. It just said the, it was framed by the word of God. God, you can't see the word of God, not with your natural eye, with your spirit, man on the inside, but not with your natural eye. And it says the world was framed that way, so nobody has seen how the world was framed. Your spirit man can if you're born again, but not the natural man. Look at verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. The word worlds there mean all of the dispensations of time. All of the dispensations of time was framed by the word of God. See, this dispensation that we're living in was framed by God. The one before this one was framed by God. The one after this one is already framed by God. But you cannot see. Because remember, God always is. So he's in all of them. He's always is. Moses asked him, When I go to the children of Israel, when I go there, when I go back to Egypt, who do I say sent me? He said, Tell them I am. I am who? I am, I is. I am, I is. Because right when you... Did, it's never afar off. It's never what was. It's right here, right now. As long as you look at God as if He's going to do something and He had to do something, you will never trust that He's here to do it today. Right here, right now. Are you with me? Now, verse 4. By faith... Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Now, let me tell you about these whole chapters before you get into it and be like, well, 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 did they have faith in this? Listen, listen to me. This whole chapter is describing theologically, the way of faith. Grab this. Or the way faith works when it comes. Because again, they all died and have not seen the promise. Look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated or transitioned him for being before his translation. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, I like that, that he pleased God. Look at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, we know that Jesus is our faith. You can read this. You can, let me tell you, what I just read, you can read that this way. And without Jesus, it is impossible to please God. And you wouldn't change the scriptures. Without Jesus, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please the Father. It's the same thing. Without Jesus... See, that's why we have different religions trying to go around. uh, You can't please God. You can't go without Jesus. Jesus is the centerpiece. God made it that way. So that wouldn't change the scripture if you say, Without Jesus... It's impossible to please God. Now now follow this carefully. You can rightly divide this with other scriptures. It is impossible to please God. That's why Jesus said, No man comes to the Father but by me. That's why he says that. Because without me, it's impossible to even get to the Father. You can claim it all you want to and you can say the name, but it's impossible for you to get to God without Jesus. God set it up that way. I like verse 6. But without faith it's impossible to please Him. But he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now write this down as this your letter A. For God is... For God is letter a omnipresent God is omnipresent to be omnipresent means that God is listen, please write it down. see, we think we know, but you God is trying to teach you how to have faith and how to communicate with Him and how to be committed to the faith and understand the true meaning of truth. God is omnipresent. To be omnipresent means that God is free from limitations of time, space, and location. God is free from the limitations of time That's for us, not God. Space and location. And let's take a quick scriptural walk. You see in the Bible, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that means that God was before the beginning. How did he create it if he wasn't before it? So he was before the beginning. And look at this. God created time. And before there was the beginning, there was no time as it relates to God. Time came into play with us. There was no time with God. That's why He's called the Ancient of Days. That's why we can't understand what He says when 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 He said a thousand years is like a day. Well, how how are you doing? What what time is what time but, There was no time as it relates to God. And it still has no limitations on Him. Time is for us, never for God. Never for God. That's why he said, I'm Alpha and Omega. (laughs) There's no time. I'm all that in between. I'm Alpha from the beginning and the end. And you know, you always have foolish people. Well, who made God? Well, who, who could make God? He was before the beginning. He was before. All the creation was by Him. He, the, just follow me. Go over to Psalms 91. Run over there. Just run over there. We, it's just a quick. Just, because I just want you to see it yourself. Psalms 90. Oh, God, you're so good. See, I get. Verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, and ever thou hast formed the earth, the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Before anything was made, you were God. Before anything, before the mountains was made, before the water, oh, you were God at the beginning. You started start. You began beginning. That's nothing before you. You started it all. Who couldn't trust a God like that? I like verse, I love that verse too. In other words, everlasting, translate this way. Before the beginning and after the end, I'm God. Before the beginning and after the end, I'm still God. I was there before the beginning, and I will be there at the end. When everything is over, guess who's going to be there? Him. Always. See, when you, when we, I I, I won't just say you, but when we talk about our tomorrows, God is. God is. Guess what? God knew your tomorrow yesterday. He knew your tomorrow. He knew your tomorrow yesterday. Why? Because He is, and He is omnipresent. We don't know nothing. No, not anything. We don't know nothing. I like the book of Isaiah. Put it this way. He said, I declare the form of things from the beginning from the beginning in other words he was here before you was here he was here waiting on you to get here while you were wait in your mother's womb he was here doing this waiting for you to get here he's all he is never not in, ex- in existence he's here he is and I like what Isaiah also said. He says, that I declare the form of things from the beginning. And then he said, over in Isaiah, we don't have, you don't have to go there. He said, before it comes to pass, I'll show it to you. What a good God. What a God that he is. Before it even comes to pass, I'll show it to you. Why are we caught off guard? Because we don't understand commitment to the faith commitment to truth now when I was looking at this I began to think about me and my husband's life and I I think this is the proper time that I can share it with you now about your founding and this is about your founding pastor you know God showed him a vision years ago years ago when we first started ministry God showed him the end. Brought him back to the beginning and said, now get started. And many things happened. God showed him a 30-year plan. My pastor knew just where he was with God. And let me tell you, in that 30-year plan, God God, God took him and showed it to him. And then backed him up and said, now I'm going to come back here and start you. His children were young. His wife was young. But he but that's the way God does, because he is. Are you with me? And in that in and in that thirty year time there were hard times. And I remember times that were so hard, but God kept telling him, Forrest, keep moving. When he didn't know where, where we were going to go from out of an apartment and where it was going to say, God said, I already showed it to you, just keep moving. When we didn't have money for a building and it was just a room, and you're like, really? God said, keep moving. You just keep moving. time goes on and people came in and out of our life people we trusted people we loved and people that hurt us and people that and let me tell you and you get discouraged and what god say god when you know you want god to explain how god said forest i've already showed you the end you just keep moving take your wife your, you keep moving and he would tell me we, we got to keep moving When things got hard for this ministry, and if we emptied our whole bank account for this ministry, which nobody in here would do, no way. And you're like, God, no. God says, keep moving, keep moving. See, we think once God shows us something, everything's gonna be easy. God said, no. You just keep moving. When he has a whole city full of relatives and just a handful come to his church. And he said, God said, keep moving. You keep moving. When his children made mistakes, and he's like, God, God said, keep moving. Remember what I showed you. Keep moving. And when his health started failing, he began to talk to me. And he said, We got to keep this moving. And that mantle that was on him, God said, I'm a place on you. And I didn't know at the time when my husband was talking to me. Because, see, because God is, God says, She'll keep moving. And so every time I get to so I don't these days because being in ministry zone, so I'm never surprised who comes, who goes or whatever. I'm if when I get discouraged, I hear, keep moving. That's all you do. You just keep moving. I've already showed your husband the end, and now I'm showing you. You keep moving. Keep moving. Now, you ask yourself, did 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 Pastor Hill suffer a lot in those thirty years? Yes. But God said, You keep moving. He knew how to keep him. And keep his family. He just say, and and that's what God and you'd be like, Well God. Well, what... What what do we do? Okay, what, what? Okay, God, now what building? What do we need to do? You just keep moving. He said, Al, I already saw the end. I saw the end. But we got to keep moving in the midst. So even when people that you thought were faithful to you, if they fall apart and they go away, keep moving. Just keep moving. If God called you to this ministry and you left, God said, you keep moving. You just keep moving. That's why you think it's harsh when you say, don't go after nobody. Because when you start doing that, guess what? You stop moving. You stop moving. And God said, no, no, keep moving. Keep, I'm taking, I'm getting to a place. I brought people here. It stands in amazement. He even brought people, most of the people in his church is not even from Texas. And they don't even know how they got here. They thought they got here on another way. And it was all God. And he said, I'm gonna need you on that boat that's moving. Some that jumped off. God said, You better paddle hard and get back on because they're moving. Do I have discouraging times? Yes. Have I suffered? Yes. But I keep moving. And I'll always keep moving. My sons will keep moving. And when 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 you have two sons, and God and my my husband said, Come what may, I don't care what. Both of them, both of them is gonna do what God said do. God said it doesn't matter about a mistake, doesn't matter about no foolishness, don't matter about nothing. He said you just keep moving. See, we think something to stop something. You can't stop the move of God. You'll raise up another. That's why many in this ministry that uh, you've been replaced. And you're trying to place, but you've been replaced because you can never stop the move of God. He's moving. Suffer a lot of things, but you gotta keep moving. Keep moving. And some of you might be going through some things right now in your life. You gotta keep. Moving. You don't get. You keep moving no matter what. When I get discouraged, I hear the spirit of God on the inside. Keep moving, Alva. And see, I was like, okay, well, well, God, maybe you put half the mantle on me, and you're gonna put half. Like He said, oh no, that can only that can only be one at a time. There's only one pastor. There's no half and half. The mantle is on you. For this time, you just keep moving and teach your son how to keep moving and teach your other son how to keep moving because surely what I showed Pastor Hill is going to come to pass. Just keep moving. So I take that in everything. On my good days, bad days, I keep moving. You have to keep moving. Why? Because the end has already been established. See, the end with Church of Living Water has already been established. Those that jumped the boat that were supposed to be here all the time, you better flap hard and get back because let me tell you, your time is coming to an end. And you've been off the boat. Because we have been and will always keep moving. Amen? And so we don't be afraid of the adversary. Whatever the adversary throws, and he throws things up daily. But God said to him is destruction, for you is salvation. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. When you have that in your head, you just keep moving. And guess what? In this walk, that I'm walking and in this, this journey that God's taking and in this position that he's placed me in I'm getting stronger and stronger as I move and you know why that is because the end is already established with Pastor Forrest P. Hill Jr. and it's now established with Alva Y. Hill it's established and God said you'll see it clearly the mantle's there. So you stand up, you be strong, and you keep it moving. And don't you worry about those two sons. They're going to keep it moving too. Whether they want to or not, they're going to keep it moving. Hey, let me you, when I get through with it, it's, they're going to think it's their idea. I love when God do that. He work with you and you think, and, and, and you think it was your idea. I was thinking to myself, for God, I used to spank their bottoms. I used to. He said, "Yeah, but man, you kept it moving. Why? Because the end is already established. Your husband saw it clearly, and he's rooting that you all to see it clearly and keep it moving. So he's established the end. And this, listen, and this end is not just for me." It's not just for the Hill family. It's for everybody that belong to this ministry. He want to show you things to come. It's for everybody under this cover. It's for everybody. And those who grab a hold of it is the ones that stay here. Those are the ones that grab a hold of it. And, it. and God might give them a peep of it, but it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger where you can see it. God is omnipresent. Know that. We must be committed, let it be, to the fact that God is omnipotent. To say that God is omnipotent, the Greek word for that is dunamis. Some people say dunamis. Dunamis, pick your choice. So being omnipotent means that God is power. Not that he has power. If God has power, that means that he got some from somebody. If he contains power, that means somebody else had the power and he had to get it. No, he doesn't contain power. He is power. God is power. God has the absolute authority, ability, and strength to perform his word, to perform his will. He has the absolute, listen, authority, ability, and strength because he's power to perform His Word. I like the way the Bible says, Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Because He is power. The Bible says, With God nothing shall be impossible. That's one reason why you keep moving. That's why you keep walking. If you feel discouraged, I want you to look establish this keep moving just keep moving you all don't have a clue or an idea what I have gone through with the death of my husband nobody has a clue they might act like they have a clue but you don't but you still have to keep moving I felt like Paul many a time many of the afflictions of the righteous but guess what God, as he was faithful to Paul, has delivered me out of them all. He has. So then I'm able to do what? Keep moving. To be omnipotent means that whatever is done in the natural and the spiritual realm, the power to perform it came from God and comes from God. Whatever you're doing, whatever God is telling you to do, whatever you've done in the natural, whatever you've done in the spiritual realm, God has given you the power to do it. It came from God. The power, it didn't come from you. You didn't make nothing happen. It was God. God has all power. Well, where do you think the devil got his power from? Now, his is perverted. He perverted the power, but it came from God. When he was Lucifer, he had power. As a matter of fact, he was the most powerful angel of all the angels. He had the power. But he took his power and perverted it. He has no power. He had no power in and of himself. Because God is all power. (laughs) Listen, all over the country this morning, preachers are preaching in the pulpits thousands of thousands and thousands of people are listening to them. Listen. And they're preaching perverted truth. Perverted truth. They're in the church, but, you know, and and, and thousands are in the church and they're listening to the message. And it's causing people to respond to their private agenda. The ones preaching it. To their political agendas whatever agenda they have. Because every message that comes from God, it must, everybody say must, it must conform to the standard of God, the earthly ministry of Jesus. It has to. And when it don't, when it gets off from that, then know it's off. No, you have now started to begin to hear something other than truth. Every message must conform to the standard of the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not just mention in his name. It has conformed to that standard. Jesus threw out the money changers. He didn't put them in a healing line. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, Jesus told the people that he he healed. He said, don't tell anybody. He said go he said, don't don't mention it because I don't want people following me because of I'm healing. Don't tell him even though they went and told. He said don't tell them. You know the prosperity teaching uh was in the temple in Jesus day. Nothing new. Jesus just threw them out. You throw them out today with the word and they say, oh, no, you're just jealous because you don't have that. Let me tell you, some of that, what you have, I don't want because it's nothing. And God said, don't you worry. Don't you worry. When they come and stand before me, I'm going to say, I gave you power and you used it for your own agenda. Away from me, you that does iniquity. I never knew you. People don't want to believe that, you know. No, yeah, I mean, but because their favorite preacher ain't no way God say that to him. Ain't no way of okay. Well, you better understand your commitment to the faith, and not to a man, not ever to a man. And then commitment letter C. The word omnipotent means that he is omniscient. Omniscient means that he is. He is knowledge. Do You don't have knowledge. He is knowledge. I didn't say God contained knowledge. He is knowledge. Now, we have to understand this. And we talked about this in uh teachings before. There's three kinds of knowledge. Follow me. Three kinds of knowledge. From the context of this teaching. Everybody say the context of this teaching three kinds of knowledge from the Greek words now there are several words in the Greek for knowledge but these three are going to relate to God and his omniscience are you with me and omniscience means all knowing all knowing not some knowing all knowing now the first word for knowledge is g i g-i-n-o-s K-O. That's in the Greek. Gnosko. Now, Gnosko knowledge, that causes a relationship between the object known and the person knowing. Write that down so you can meditate on that. Gnosko knowledge. That causes a relationship between the object known and the person knowing. God has Gnosko knowledge. And he looked down... When we were yet not sinned, Christ died for the ungodly. What? To establish a relationship with the object known and the person knowing. Get this. It's very important. I know this is not a shouting message. This is a learning message. This is a learning message. Now there's another knowledge that connects to God. And it's called epignosko. Just put EPI in front of that, Gnosco. Epigonosco. And it means fully perceived and understood knowledge. Fully perceived and understood knowledge. In other words, knowledge that is functional. Epigonosco. Epigonosco is functional knowledge. That's what it is. Functional knowledge. God's knowledge is functional. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, and the earth became what? Functional. He he separated the darkness from the light. He separated the waters from the dry land. Because what? Knowledge, God's knowledge is functional. God's knowledge creates relationships. God's knowledge. Then the other knowledge that we see is pro uh Let's see. I, I've been pronouncing it all week. Pro-ganosko. Just put the P-R-O in the front of gnosko. pro And it is defined knowledge of God. I said, God, that's awesome. pro The divine knowledge of God. The divine knowledge of God. It is the God that knows, that knows what was, that knows what is, and knows what is to come. That's called divine knowledge. It's not something you can know with your natural mind. Know that. So God knows the end from the beginning He knows he knows the past he knows the presence the foreknowledge is of all all of it is of the almighty God progonosco progonosco knows everything so with that, I want to go to point number two it will connect it's gonna connect with point number one. Because you have to realize, we're, we're realizing that God is. God is. You understand that God is. Not was, not will be, but God is. We must commit to truth. That is, I must be, listen, I must be as he is. I must be as he is. And guess what? God has fixed the system so that you can be as he is. What a good God. I'm like, seriously God? You have fixed the system so I can be as you are. Yes, I fixed the system. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Go over there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Come on, you're okay. We don't we we, we don't have an evening service. You're okay. You need to learn something, learn something. I don't know. I don't. I I don't. I don't know. People don't want to come to church, and they. I don't know if they want to stream either. Second Corinthians three, verse two and three. Ye are our epistles written in our hearts known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tablets of the heart. I'll read it again. You are epistles written in in our hearts, known and read of all men, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshly tables of the heart. So we are manifested to be epistles, letters of Christ, so we can be as He is, because we are letters of Christ. He set the system that way. He said, okay, now you're in my epistles, letters to be seen. Then he says, I like in verse 4, And such trust have we through Christ to God with. I I like that. God has trusted us with his knowledge. That's what he just said in verse 4. And such trust have we through Christ to God want. He has trusted us with His knowledge, with His power to represent Him in the earth. That's why the Bible says we are ambassadors of Christ. You've been trusted. An ambassador always, always represents the nation that they're from. They never represent the nation that they're in. They represent the nation that they're from, never the one they're living in. Or are you with me? We are children of the kingdom of God. And we represent the kingdom of God. And not the kingdom of this earth. We got to keep that in there. Why? Because now we are being as he is. Now look at verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. But our sufficiency is of God. Who also hath made us able ministers... Of the New Testament, not of letters, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. That's where Pastor Hill got able ministers of the New Covenant. And he was studying that out. He said, ah, we need to, that, that's the name. That's what God has just given me. Able ministers, let's read it again. Who also, verse 6, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. So now every time when you come to able ministers of the new covenant, you need to go back and read this and say, I need to pay attention. He's made me able ministers of the new te- uh, the new covenant. So a lot of times you, you think, where did that come from and stuff? That came from your founding pastor, from that scripture. Amen? Now, We, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking. So, how did he, he make us? We must be committed to the fact that he has made us. You know, every time I think about it, it amazes me. He's given us gnosco knowledge, so we can be as he is. He's, I'm giving you the uh, gnosco knowledge. We've been given enough knowledge from God to act, to listen, to establish a personal, intimate relationship with Him. There's no way you shouldn't have a personal, intimate relationship with Him because He's given you power, uh knowledge to get to do that. Go back and read what Gnosko knowledge is. Those are things you study out. So now, we can now establish a relationship with the object known. See, we are the persons or the people wanting to know. So we can establish that relationship. Listen, the Bible says that we have been given a measure of faith. A measure of faith. I'm like, God, you did leave no stone unturned. He said He's given us a measure of faith. That measure is enough to establish a relationship with God. Just that measure that He measured out to you. It's enough to establish a relationship with God. That's called gnosko, a gnosko faith. We have been given, listen, pro knowledge. We have the power through the Holy Spirit to become functional in our gift. Everybody, you know, whether you know your gift or not, let me tell you, everybody has been given a gift within that measure of faith. Everybody has a gift. And God said, I'm giving... And what is the pronos, The pronosco... Uh, the prono, oh, how do, I'm, I keep saying it wrong. Prognosco. <laughs> prognosco. Okay. The prognosco... Those, God has already given it to you. You already know. I wish I was Greek and I could run through it real fast, but you know, when you're in Greek, you'd be like, okay, well, wait, what? That pro-Gonosco, He's already given it. It's a measure of faith. You, it's you can establish that relationship. And while now I'm functional, that pro makes me functional. How are you doing that now? I'm because I'm in the prognostical faith. I'm I'm functional. I'm moving. I'm keeping it moving. Listen, we have that prognostical knowledge through the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, do you think that God was giving you? Do you think the, that God was giving your founding pastor that thirty-year vision that he had? Because was right at thirty thirty years around there. Uh, Without giving him the progonosco knowledge, that's the only way he could keep moving. The only way you keep moving because it's what functional. I don't have any problem pronouncing it functional. That's what it is. That prognosco makes you functional. That's why you can keep going. Hmm. See, our, our our knowledge is infinite. His is all-knowing. Pa- Let me tell you, pastors was just infinite. That's what it was. It was just finite. But he knew what God said, and he kept him moving. And you know what? And, not, and this is what God does when he shows it to you. He don't give you all the details. He never does. He gives you what you need to know on a need-to-know basis. He never gives you all the details. He just says, you get started. And you keep moving. And every time you get stuck, get discouraged, you hear, keep moving. And now that I'm in this portion of this vision, all I keep hearing is, keep moving. God didn't and have not given me all the details. He just said, keep moving. And I will do the same as my founding pastor did. I will keep moving. And what you don't understand, don't worry about I'm just moving. I'm going to follow God's lead always. Now, here's the thing that you have to do go back to John. Uh, go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Go over there. Now, in John chapter 16, it's going to show you gnosko, Epigonosco, and Progonosco knowledge. All three in one verse. I, when God when God had me searched that out, I said, "Oh my God, it's all right here." And we have all of those knowledges through the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important to have the Holy Spirit in your life. You have it through the Holy Spirit. Now, all the knowledge is, is for uh, all knowledge that we have is finite. Know that. But in sixteen ter- uh, thirteen, it tells it tells us. The gnosco knowledge. Okay, are we in 16 verse 13? How be it, God, you're so awesome. How be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. That's gnosco knowledge. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear. That's epigonosco knowledge. And he will show you things to come. Progonosco knowledge. All in that one verse. Ganosco knowledge, epigonosco knowledge, and prognosical knowledge. Right there. So we have God have, we have to represent God in the earth. God showed it to us it's like, oh my God. So we can be as he is, because he's given us the knowledge to in those three three different ways he just told us right here. How Howbeit, when he speaks the truth, is uh, what he speak of truth is come. He will guide you unto all truth. You got it. Gnosco knowledge, for he shall not speak of himself. But whosoever, whatsoever he shall hear. Epigonosco, knowledge. And he will show you things to come. Progonosco, knowledge. Mm, mm, mm. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, I must be committed to truth. And I must understand, number two, that I am important. You have to understand that. Go over to Ephesians and park there. But you have to write down, I must understand that I am important. I am important. You have to understand that I have a gift. I have a gift. Whether you know it or not, you have to understand I have a gift. God has given us a gift. Are you in Ephesians chapter 4? Beginning at verse 7. It says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. In the measure of the gift of Christ. We have been given a gift according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So this is why it is finite with us. When God gave our founding pastor a vision... He gave him a measure of grace to get it done. Did you hear me? When he gave our founding pastor the vision, he gave him a measure of grace to get it done. Now he's given me a measure of grace to get this part done. His grace is omnipotent power. And it keeps me and keeps you from failing. His omnipotent power. And God has given me just enough grace for me to pastor. Just enough grace for me to pastor. Just enough grace for me to do what he's asking me to do. He's measured enough out to me to do what He's asked me to do. So I'm well able because of the measure. Not because of anything of myself. Not because of anything that I can think of or I can plan or I can want to do. But all because He's the measure of faith that He has given me. The measure of the gift. Are you with me? He's measured out the grace for the gift. Listen. Your gift is important. Write this down. Everybody in here and everyone listening, your gift is important for this one reason because it is a connecting share. Your gift is a connecting share. No one's gift stands alone. Not mine, not yours. No one's gift stands alone. God gave our founding pastor a vision, but it was connected up with me and everyone who is a member of the church. It's connected. It's a connect. No one's gift stands alone. Everybody has a measure, but no one stands alone. God knew it. It's a connecting measure. That's why God, that's why the Bible says he places you in the body as he sees fit. Why? Because it's a connecting share. It's, gonna, it's a connecting share. No gift stands alone. So when a person stands out like I got the most important gift, no. Every gift is a connecting share. And so uh, no, nobody's, nobody's here the, in this ministry by accident. No one. No one that God has called here was here by accident. And God has used all kinds of ways to get you here. It might have been through a person. It might have been through your father, your friend, your mother, or you were just feeling sick, or you just walking. It, whatever way it was that God got you to get here, it was all a part of His plan. God has used all kinds of ways to get you where you need to be. And And, and then because why? Because... Let me tell you, if your gift is connect here, guess what? It won't connect anywhere else. Uh, You might do things, but it won't connect anywhere else because everybody has a connecting share as he places you in the body. It's a connecting share. Nobody's gift stands alone. And if it's a connecting share, it has to connect where God places it. You can't connect yourself where you want to go. I'm gonna connect over here, but did God place you over over there? Because it's a connecting share. Are you with me? Maybe you were born in this ministry. Maybe you you know you came late or whatever, but it was a connecting share. So, because God has absolute power to get His will done, He's going to get it done through us through the connecting share. <laughs> And listen, your gift is not only important uh, to you or, to, but it is necessary. It's necessary. That's the way God set it up. your gift. It's necessary. It's necessary to be where it's supposed to be. Why? It's necessary because it is a supplying share. You are supplying to someone else. Every time a minister gets up here, every time I get up here, every time you sit there, every time you stand up and do something, every time you say something, all of that is a connecting share to get to the the end of the vision. Is it important? Because why? It connects. And let me tell you, and it can't become a supplying share until it once connects. Did you get that? It can't become a supplying share until you connect. Now you ought to know what scripture that is. I'll say it again. Once it's connected... It becomes a supplying share. each joint start to ply, to supply the needs of another. It's just like the body. It's like the body because each organ in your body it supplies to the net. it's connected and they become sharers. That's how you operate. That's how your body operates. everybody everything within your body is sharing, and when something goes wrong in your body, some some part. Is not sharing. Something is not something is not connected with the sharing because all your organs have to share one with another. So again, it's is it's, it's not so much important as it is necessary. It's necessary because it's a sufficient share. It's a sufficient share. And that sufficient share is the gift that God has given you. It's the gift that God has already given you. It is sufficient because of grace. Not because of your academic achievement. It doesn't come that way. It's sufficient because of grace. It's not because of the condition of your birth. Listen. Because some of you let me tell you, some of the some of the greatest people that have done the greatest things on the earth, sinner or saint, most of them come from from dysfunctional families, dysfunctional homes or things that have happened in their lives, mishaps that have and and gone to don't don't let your your environment tell you who you are. Don't lock yourself into that. Don't lock yourself into a mistake. Don't lock yourself into that. Any misfortune that you may have had, or anything that you just, 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 just had made wrong choices about, or whatever, do not let it dictate the outcome of your life. Don't let it dictate the outcome of your life. The outcome of your life is in the grace of God. Did you hear me? The outcome of your life is in the grace of God. It's not in any situation, any circumstance, any of that. And that's what you need to start saying. You know what? I don't care how this happened. I don't know why this happened, how this happened, and I don't know how I got it. But all I know is I don't, I don't care what kind of family I came from. I don't care if everybody's in prison. Everybody. My life, my life is connected up with the grace of God. That's where my life is. My life is in the grace of God. So we have to establish that relationship with Him. Once you establish the relationship with Him, He will move us to the next level. You want look, you want to shift? You want to be moved to the next level? That's how you move. He gives us the epigonosco knowledge. See, we need to be functional in the things of God. we got to be functional. you got to be functional. And when we get to that level, God can start to show us things to come. A lot of times we're not on the level to, that God could even show us things to come. If he did, you wouldn't believe it. But see, that's called being a shift. God will shift you to another level. And he'll begin to show you things to come. And you want to see things to come. Are you with me? That's so very important for us to, to, to grab a hold to. I want it at that level where I can start knowing things to come. Why? Because I have a share. And so I need to know this important is share. This important is, this, 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 it's important that, that, that I use my gift. It's necessary. So I need to know things before so I can know what to do. This share that I have is sufficient. See, it doesn't matter. Don't try to get on anybody's level. Don't compare yourself to anybody. Your share is sufficient. Because God measured out the grace for your share. Everybody got their measure. You are looking at it all wrong. Everybody has their share. And everybody is sufficient because of the grace. Look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, they may grow up with him. Wait, am I in the right? uh, Which one am I? 15. I think I'm at the wrong one. Let me see where I am because I'm... Mm -mm. Verse... Now, this is when senior citizens jump in. Verse 15. Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man. You need to be strengthened for this one reason. If your share is there, you have to be able to get it. You can, the, the comparison in the body of Christ is so foolish. Because then you hold your share. And when you hold your share, that inner man cannot even get out what's in there. Because it's in there. It's there for you. It's there for you to move. It's there for you to be able to operate in. God is saying, listen, it's necessary. You have to tell yourself, everything that I'm doing, everything that I have is necessary. And I'm going to make sure that I give it out. Why? Because it's necessary. Everybody say it's necessary. It's necessary. God has given all of us a gift. And see, you have to understand, you're not just a pew sitter. You're not just a chair sitter. You're not just here to just sit. You ought to feel bad about just sitting in a chair. We are connected. And you're doing me a disservice and everybody around you a disservice when you're not doing what you're supposed to. And see, some of you may even know that you have a gift. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you feel like your gift is not important. Well, I don't know, you know, I didn't finish college, so I don't feel like that. Listen, I hope I've stirred something up in you. What did, It's not about academics. Not when it comes to the gift that's measured out to you. It has nothing to do with your academic. Now, you know, leave that to people that's just so into academic, they think that's going to make it. But guess what? When they die, they die the same way anybody that, uh, anybody with a GED. You're going to the same ground. It does, it, when it comes to this, when it comes to, to to the knowledge of God, when it comes to the commitment to the faith, it has nothing to do with what you do or don't have. It has to do with submitting to the truth of the Word of God so that He can strengthen you. That you can share your gift. You must be committed to the truth of the Word of God. You must be committed to the faith, number one. To the faith. And then the last but not least, we must love one another. In this thing, we must love one another. Write the scripture down and read it at home. 1 John 4, verse 7 through 11. And the last one, 2 Peter Chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. I mean sit down and really read that. And I won't you know what? This that reading first it should stir you up. If you've ever been in a state of apathy, I hope I have stirred you up to say, you know what, I don't care what anybody think of me, what they say about me, how they feel about me. I have a share and I have a measure. I have a measure. And I got gnoscō knowledge. And I got, I, I got all the knowledge I need to be as he is. I, God, has, God has set the system up to work for me. I got epigonotical power. I got the knowledge that I can, I can, I can function in this thing. I can function in every way that God does. I have power. I can know whatever God wants me to know, and I can do it. Don't leave it for just ministers. Well, the ministers and the deacons—they know, but you know—we just leave that to them, and we just no. You, where's your part? You, God didn't just bring you here just to sit in the seat and just to, just eat up on the word and not. You have a portion. So when you don't give your portion, you do a disservice to all of the ministers, to all of the deacons. You do a disservice to all of them because God has already given you something. He's given it to you. He's given you what you need for the body of Christ. He's given you what you need for Church of the Living Water if you belong to this ministry. And so you cannot let anybody or anything discourage you or move you away from that. Those, those knowledge. Father, go out, go back and study those Greek words. Now, if you can pronounce them better than me, you're good. I can pronounce them, I can explain them, but, but let me tell you, I can understand them much more than I can pronounce them. But I do understand them very thoroughly. Oh, I got that, Father. I got that. Epigonosco. I got that, Father. progonosco I got that, Father. I got what it means. I'm taking it from the Greek and I'm owning it on the inside that I can walk according to your word, that I can have my share, that I can understand what faith is. Understand what faith is. Faith is for only for things that are unseen. So when people say, "Oh, can you pray with me and join with me with my faithful house?" Say, "Well, you know what? Well, we can see that house. All you need to do is go get it. Just take them over to Hebrews eleven and say, let 'Let's say, you know, you, do, you, you know, we, we're not trying to be harsh. So let's say, let's just go over to Hebrews eleven. Let's say, okay, okay, I'm, 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 I'm gonna uh, pray with you, but let's first go over there and let's see what it says." Well, did it just say faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? That's a, that'll cause a good discussion, if nothing else. And then it'll give your time to share that gift. Because he's already given you a measure of faith to do it. See, see, once you know the scriptures to do it, then and you know what you've been taught and you're walking in what you've been taught, it's good conversation because now you know how to balance it, you know how to take them to the scripture, you know how to tell them what you have learned. It's nothing worse than learning everything and keeping it to yourself, and God will always give you an opportunity to share it. Don't you worry about it. You ain't ever, oh, I really want to share this. So don't you worry. You will always have an opportunity to share it. Now, it might be at the most inopportune time that you want to share it. And God said, now share it. You'd be like, "Mm mm-mm, not now, God. I wanted to do it now. God said, now, now's the time. See, we want to do everything on our schedule. But when you move in with God, you let God tell you when. And again, it might not be just a special time that you think it's, it's all right. Now, let me, let me make sure that I square that off for you. Make sure that when you're at work, you need to be working. Now, yeah. well, God told me I was right in the middle of a project, and I stopped right without doing it. I said, I heard God, and I said, woo wee ooh woo we, ooh God, it was just all over me. And I left that, I left that machine going, and I went right on over there and got fired. That's what you went right on over there and did. Now we're not gonna. God will never. Now let me tell you, God, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Never gonna do have you do anything that's out of character. And other than you you see, now some of you just lazy, and you think that's the time to do it. Now you're eating lunch and you you can talk about it, but you want to talk about it, then you want to talk about it on their time. No, and God and don't don't say God told you to do any of that. Because God is never going to get... but Let me tell you, God is so into authority, He put you under it and Himself under it. And now He's going to want you out from under authority at work. No. So let, let, I just want to keep that balance because people be... I got fired. And I was just listening to what Pastor Hill said. And she said, you know, God will just tell you anytime. So I was just right in the middle of that. I mean, somebody else could have watched it. I thought maybe the Holy Ghost would watch it for me and I would just go and minister to somebody. The Holy Ghost ain't doing any of that. That's foolish. But God will always give you on your time when to minister and deal with someone or use your gift to bless someone. But when you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to do, you need to do that. Amen.